Well, we're entering 2019, so I want to talk about revelations, not resolutions, because everybody seems to be making re resolutions for the new year. And as you start, pro start the new year, it seems to me that time is moving more quickly than it ever has before, or that I'm simply moving a little slower than I used to. Maybe it is that time sh sure flies when you're having fun. But I didn't think my life was a lot of fun, so I didn't think that was a good reason. So, As believers, uh, we should be looking to God for a revelation of what he's uh, speaking to us in the new year and not try making resolutions that we never keep. As believers, we should look at the start of a new year inside of us and see and ask for a renewed sense of one thing, hope because God is in control and we are in God's hands. And the one thing the world is missing, no matter what you listen to or where you go to watch your news, is there's no hope for anybody. And so the darkness may become gross darkness, but when it does, then the light of the church will grow brighter and stronger. That's what Isaiah 60 verse 2 says, For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. So you're in the start of a new year. I really believe we need to be praying for a new sense of hope on the inside, but also pray for a clean slate, because it's a new start. And that's how everybody's approaching the new year. Oh, it's a new year. So we start with everything erased from the blackboard, and we can go ahead and fill it with sin or fill it with whatever we want. Chocolate. Sorry. Chocolate. <laughs> so this should be a time when we look at ourselves and make commitments to God, not resolutions. But most people are not doing that. Um, they're not looking to better their life in the new year. They're not making changes. And if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always gotten. So I think that New Year's resolutions are much like the molting process of the lobster. A lobster goes through a molting process once a year after they become adults. In order to grow, lobsters have to rid themselves of their old, hard, protective shell and grow a new, larger shell. This process of shedding an old shell before they can grow the new shell is called molting. And they do this 25 times in the first five years of their life. And then they do it once a year after that, after they've reached maturity as an adult. It's an ugly and it's a messy process. Under the pressure of outgrowing what's there, the old hard protective shell cracks. Then the lobster lies on its side, flexes its muscles, and pulls itself out from under the cracked shell. And for a short time between the leaving of the old shell and the hardening of the new shell, the lobster is naked and feeling very vulnerable to the elements. I thought about that, and in a sense, we're all lobsters. And as we approach our new year, we should be looking at our growth in Christ's likeness. It requires us to get rid of the old shell, our old, hard, protective ways of doing things, and allow God to make, take us to a new place in him in the new year. But in the process of losing what we're comfortable with 
and not having what he's taking us to, we can feel very naked and vulnerable spiritually. So the new year seems to me to be a good time, as good a time as any, to follow the example of my adult lobster, to molt at least once a year, having your old, hard, protective selves behind and allowing ourselves a new sense of who we are and making room to grow. If we just stay as we are right now, there's no room to grow. That growth, like the lobster, starts on the inside and not the outside. The lobster isn't shedding his shell because he's growing from the outside in. He's growing from the inside out. And we should know that God wants us to grow, but to do that, the changes start on the inside. And as we break through from the inside, then the outside actually begins to change. So I think the change that allows growth starts with a fresh revelation of who God is and who he wants you to be. It doesn't start with making resolutions. I quit doing that years ago because I didn't get past January the 5th before I broke them. <laughs> this change that God wants in each person starts with a revelation, new insights from the heart of God the Father. It doesn't start with making resolutions on the outside, hoping to change the inside. It starts with making, have, receiving revelation of who you are in him and who he is in you on the inside, and that will break through the shell that each one of us has on the outside. And we all have the mask and the shell. That's why in Ephesians 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul prays, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So inside of you, you have the Holy Spirit who receives revelation from God and reveals it to you. So, I don't like Christmas. I don't like New Year's as times to preach. One, everybody's tired. Two, I don't know what to say. You've all heard it before. Three, most of the messages are the same. But if you read the Apostle Paul and his writing to the church in Ephesus, he gives us some direction as to how we as Christians should live our lives now and into the new year. And I want to look at those verses. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 18. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to read it a second time. So be careful how you live, how you live your life as a believer. Don't live like the non-believers, like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that we see in those verses is that we are to live life wisely. To live with wisdom, you need God's wisdom, 
not earthly wisdom, not human wisdom, but God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is opposite to the world's wisdom. The kingdom is built upside down to the world's structure. So you can find wisdom in strange places. Out of the mouth of babes, right? Patrick, age 10. Never trust a dog to watch your food. Michael, 14. When your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer him. Again, Michael also said, never tell your mom her diet's not working. <laughs> Naomi, age 15, if you want a kitten, start by asking for a horse. <laughs> Lauren, age 9, felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. <laughs> Joel, 10 years old, says don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> And Eileen, age eight, says, never try to baptize a cat. <laughs> Paul writes that we are to live wisely, and there's a lot of wisdom to be had. Paul's definition of wisdom, if you look it up in the Greek, is the ability to discern or judge what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. So Paul is saying to live by what you know as truth. We live in a world that tells us there is no truth. There's no absolute truth. That everything is up to the individual and that what is true for one person is not necessarily true for another person. That's called postmodernism or relativism. And out of that comes, or yes, out of that comes the tolerance concept. We must tolerate all the differences and everybody's opinion. Relativism is the concept that points, the points of view have no absolute truth or validity. They only have relative subjective value according to how you think and how you perceive life. So what is true for you might not be true for me. And what is true for us may not be true for anybody who isn't a believer. So that's why when you share with people like I did this afternoon out front, I'm shoveling snow and people with dogs keep walking by. I had one person say to me, I'm glad that you believe that and I'm glad that it's working for you, but that's postmodernism, that's relativism. There's no absolute truth. And Paul writes that fools believe that there is no truth. Because that's what he said. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, like those who, but like those who are wise. So if you're living without the wisdom of God, you're living like a fool. So we're living contrary to the way the world in the postmodern era that we've now entered happens to function. Which is why we believe that, for example, homosexuality is a sin. Well, the world doesn't believe that. The world says there are no absolute truths. You can't call somebody who's this a sinner or that they're not acceptable before God because that's just your opinion. And I don't believe that. Well, but there's no absolute truth. 
So Paul says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. True wisdom is knowing that there are absolute truths in your world. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, I'd underline that, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So his words are absolute truth. So as you read your Bible, you're reading absolute truth. So if we're to live wisely in 2019, the first thing we have to do is to realize there is truth. The ultimate truth is found only in Jesus Christ, God himself, come to earth and made the payment for our sin. So if we're to live wisely in 2019, you have to grab hold of the truth, apply the truth, because you only believe what you live. And that's why Proverbs says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. In other words, living wisely. So Paul writes again, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Live like those who are wise. Live in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I got an email today. And I've been working with this guy off and on for maybe three years. He's finally left one of our church plants that we do over there. Because what is being taught, and I'm not sure how to approach the pastor, who I know, who you know, who you've helped to support. Because he's not teaching Jesus Christ crucified. He's teaching prosperity gospel. He's teaching business practices. He's teaching good stuff, maybe. Some of it's heresy. But he's not teaching Jesus. And so this young man has said, what am I supposed to do? You said I'm supposed to be part of the church. And I said, well, the church is bigger than that church. But this is our problem, is that we're preaching to people around the world, but we're not giving them the wisdom of God. We're giving them the wisdom of men. And it's becoming very evident everywhere I go. Secondly, not only are we to live wisely, we're also to live making the most of every opportunity that God gives us this year. Paul went on to say in verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So not only are you supposed to live wisely, you're supposed to make good use of every opportunity God gives you because life can be very short. And you may not know how short it really is. So a man went to his doctor to find out why he had been having such severe headaches. The doctor ran some tests and after a few hours called the man into his office. The doctor said to the man, I have terrible news. Your condition is terminal. And the man said, oh, no, how long do I have? Ten, began the doctor. Ten what, the patient interrupted. Days, months, years, nine, continued the doctor. Eight, seven, six. It was seconds. Mm -hmm. You don't know how long your life is going to be. And you need to begin to take advantage of every opportunity that God gives you. And I guarantee you, he's giving you two or three every day. And you're missing them. Psalm, nine, Psalm 39, verse 4. 
Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. I think we, some of us think we're going to live forever. I'm in my 70s. I'm watching TV and they're burying people who are 74, 76. And I'm thinking, oh, really? And that's one of my thoughts is how fleeting is my life going to be? How many more years, maybe months, do you have? It's a little different when you're Isaac's age, maybe. But Psalm 90, verse 10, the length of our days is 70 years. Whoops. Or 80. I'm holding on to that one. If we have the strength, they quickly pass. And we fly away. So our time is short. And so we have to live life with some urgency. And take advantage of the opportunities God gives us. And I hope we're doing that. Paul did. At the drop of a hat. If anybody would listen. He would share the gospel with them. Everywhere he went he planted churches. Everywhere he left. Went he left. Leaving a new church that had been started. Everywhere he went, there was the expansion of the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom. And he was constantly concerned about the welfare of others. And sometimes we're too concerned with how we're feeling, how we're doing, what's in it for us. So we should live in a way, like Paul did, where we're taking account of how many days we might not have and that we take advantage of every God-given opportunity to help others and to share. Amen? So that's the second part. Paul goes on to say, not only are we to live wisely and not as fools, but we're to live making the most of opportunities, but thirdly, we're also to live in God's will. Ephesians 5.17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Or the English Standard Version, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord, the will of the Lord is. So the third thing you need to do in 2019 is understand what God wants you to do. Because it may be different than what God wants me to do. And then live in the thing that God has told you that you should be doing. That's God's will. And no matter where I go, when I say to people, live in God's will for your life, people are thinking, most of them now say things to me, and usually what I hear is, that's easy for you to say, but it's very hard to do. How do you know God's will? I never answer the question. You answer a question with a question, that's what Jesus did, it annoys people. My question is always, do you think that God is keeping his will for your life a secret? And of course, the answer to that is no. So then my second question is, so are you listening for what he's saying? True story. Back when the telegraph was the fastest method of long-distance communications, remember that? I know it's before your time. Young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator. He answered an ad in the newspaper. He went into the office address that was listed. When he arrived, he entered a very large, very busy office filled with noise and clatter. And in the background, you could hear the sound of the telegraph clicking away in Morse code. A sign on the receptionist counter instructed job applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were summoned to enter the inner office for a 
interview. So the young man filled out his form, handed it in, sat down with the seven other applicants in the waiting room. After a few minutes, the young man stood up, crossed the room to the door, entering the inner office, and walked right in. And all the other applicants perked up, wondering what it was going on. And they're muttering to themselves that they didn't hear any summons yet. They assumed that the young man went into the office, made a mistake, and would be disqualified. Within a few minutes, the employer escorted the young man out of the office and said to the other applicants, gentlemen, thank you for coming. The job has just been filled. And the other applicants began grumbling to each other, and one spoke up saying, wait a minute. I don't understand. He was the last to come in. He was never given, and we have never been given a chance to be interviewed, yet he got the job. That's not fair. And the employer said, I'm sorry, but all the time that you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of them heard it because they weren't listening for it. And the young man did hear it, and the job is his. I think it's the same with the will of God. God's not keeping his will secret. He has a plan for everybody's life, and it's very well known to him, and it should be very well known to us. The problem is we live in a world that is very busy and very noisy, like the office. And people are distracted, and they're not able to hear the still, small voice of God as he speaks to them. That's the problem with Christmas. It's too noisy. It's too busy. It's too everything except God in so many ways. So are you listening? And I think we need to listen. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Amen? So... In this wonderful new year that God has given to us, which is really a open door to anything that God wants you to do. All the past is the past. That was then. This is now. Don't drag 2018 into 2019. Paul says in this new year that we are to understand what God wants us to do and live in God's will. So, summarize. In this new year, live wisely. Live making the most of every opportunity God gives you. And live in God's will, listening to his voice. That's not hard. That's just a decision we make. One more thing, number four. Paul goes on and says in Ephesians 5.18, And do not get drunk with wine. That is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Or the version we read earlier, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your lives. also give you a heck of a headache. And instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled simply means controlled by, under the influence of. If you are drunk with wine, you are under the control of alcohol. It controls what you say, what you think, how you speak, um, your actions, your attitude, everything is controlled by the alcohol. So Paul's bringing us a parallel here. He says, don't let the alcohol control you. Let the Holy Spirit control you. And so in 2019, to do the first three things he says to us that we should be doing, 
you need to let the Holy Spirit control you. And for him to control you means that you have to yield your life to him. He's not there to serve you. You're there to serve him. And when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you will receive revelation. That's where I was trying to get to. Your resolutions will do nothing. They're trying to change you from the outside in. A revelation from the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of revelation, will change you from the outs, inside out, like the lobster. Does that all make sense? So, Paul says, you need to live with godly wisdom. How do you do that? You need a revelation. You need to make most of every God-given opportunity. How do you know what the opportunities are? You need a revelation. And you need to know and follow God's will for your life. And that comes by revelation. And so then to get those revelations, you need to be filled with the Spirit, or yielded to, submitted to, and controlled by. And then 2019 would really be the year of the Lord, and not just a calendar year. Questions, comments? Mm -hmm.